You're only here for the baby. Uh, well, good morning. I haven't seen some of you in a while. It's good to see your faces. Welcome. Welcome back. Glad you're here. Uh, King's kids, if you were in second grade on down, be nice to Cole. If you laugh too much, Riley, I'm going to send you out there with them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. They almost need you, Riley. Thirteen. Should I send Riley to? Yeah, Riley. Riley, go make sure Helena's okay. Just check in with her. Say, my uh, sister from another mother, do you need my help today? Gotcha. All right. I'm glad I just missed them early. They were an unruly looking crowd. <laughs> Uh, turn to Proverbs 21 with me this morning as we prepare to read. Ready? You have to come up here. I'm not giving you the mic. Only Pat gets the privilege of the mic. <clears throat> what version is yours? Yeah, that'll work. You can use yours. I want you to see my old man large print. Oh, you can see really well. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I'm like, oh, my word. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, we can. I can't handle that anymore. <laughs> Be like. 21. There you go. All right, so follow along as we read Proverbs 21. <clears throat> the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The getting of treasures by a laying tongue is fleeting vapor and snare of death. The violence of the wicked will sweep them away because they refuse to do what is just. The way of the guilty is crooked, but the conduct of the pure is upright. It is better to live in a corner of the house stop than in the house shared with a quarrelsome wife. <clears throat> the soul of the wicked desires evil his neighbor finds no mercy in his eyes. When a scoffer is punished, the simple becomes wise. When a wise man is instructed, he gains knowledge. The righteous one observes the house of the wicked. He throws the wicked down to ruin. Whoever closes his ear to cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. A gift in secret averts anger, and a concealed bribe strong wrath. When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to the evildoers. 
one who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. The wicked is a ransom for the righteous and the traitor for the upright. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent? A false witness will perish, but the word of a man who hears will endure. A wicked man puts on a bold face, but the upright gives thought to his ways. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Thank you, Eli, Delana. The title today is Weightier Matters. Weightier Matters. As we've gone through Proverbs, I have been choosing topics from the daily reading uh, and expounding on it. Last week was on alcohol. Um, If you weren't here for that, I highly encourage you to go back and listen. Because as we talked about in my small group this week, it's not just about alcohol. It's about lack of restraint and self-control. It's about... um, It's about more than what is just put in front of you. It's about the internal spiritual strength to say no to whatever the world puts in front of you. And that's a little bit in line with Proverbs 21 and the topic that we're going to face this morning. Before we get into it, I want to read to you and summarize for you a little episode from 1 Samuel 15. In 1 Samuel 15, God commands King Saul to do something. Part of the instructions are when he goes to the city of the Amalekites to completely destroy everything in the city, leave nothing. They are rebelling against God. They're living in wickedness and God is executing judgment on them. He's punishing them for their rebellion. Saul goes does most of what God says to do. But he decides on his own to bring back the best of the livestock to sacrifice to God. On his way back from war, the prophet Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to Samuel, blessed be, you, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed all the commandments of the Lord. 
Samuel says, And what meaneth this bleeding of the sheep? Then why do I hear that you've brought livestock back? If you've done everything the Lord commands you to do, why have you done this? Samuel says to Saul, stop. I'm going to tell you what the Lord has spoken to me this night. Samuel says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than the sacrifice. To obey is better than the fat of rams and offerings. Rebellion is as the sin of divination or witchcraft, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Saul presumed that bringing these sacrifices to sacrifice them later would please God more than killing those animals the way God already told him to. He presumed to know better than God, and then he tried to bring God a sacrifice. God did not ask for a sacrifice. God asked for obedience. In Proverbs 21, verse 3, the Bible says, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. In other words, God wants you to do all the things he's already told you to do before you presume to find your own way to bring him something that you think is going to make him happy when what makes him most pleased with you is obedience from the start. Well, I can do this and that, and then, well, I'll make it right on Sunday. You are insulting God. That's the weight of this verse. It is, it is a doozy. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Let me define the word sacrifice for you if you're taking notes. Sacrifice is an an act or a religious routine that shows devotion to God. It's an attempt to show God that you are devoted to him. Sometimes a sacrifice, like in the Old Testament, can be ceremonial, could be animal offerings for sin, guilt offerings for things you've done wrong, could be commanded offerings like during the feast or the Sabbath, could be a Thanksgiving offering, a first fruits offering, <clears throat> a firstborn offering, vows, an oath offering. Sometimes it's just a celebratory offering, a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of worship, doing something to show your devotion to God. What God says in Proverbs 21 is, you want to show your devotion to me? More acceptably than a sacrifice is doing justice and righteousness all the time. 
So the problem is that sacrifices are not the goal of true faith. Sacrifices are not the goal or the true way to show devotion. They, they are a small part of devotion. But we are not supposed to be a people who lives from sacrifice to sacrifice. There's no sacrifice when God makes all things and declares it very good in the Garden of Eden. There's no need. Sacrifices are only necessary because there's sin. And they acknowledge that. But when there is a lifestyle of doing what is right, doing what is just, there's no need for a sacrifice. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus himself taps into this message of Proverbs. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You tithe of your mint, your dill, and your cumin plants. I think I saw Belinda bring an offering in this morning. What was that plant you brought in? Lettuce. She gave a tithe of her lettuce to Lori. Like, where's, my, where's God's tent? You should be... The details, you know, the details. So Jesus is, okay, you, you Pharisees, you're hypocrites. You tithe on your mint, your dill, your cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. You have neglected justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And then he adds, without neglecting the others, without neglecting those sacrifices, without neglecting your tithes of the tiny things, but don't neglect the weightier matters. Jesus shows that in God's eyes, there are some matters that are heavier than others, like showing justice, showing righteousness, showing mercy, and showing faithfulness. What made the Pharisees hypocrites was they spent so much time on small sacrifices and they missed out on the weightier matters of the law, which are the weightier matters of faith, which are the weightier matters of our lives too. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So Jesus is taking the principle of Proverbs 21.3, and he's pointing people back to what it really means to live by faith. To live by faith means you every day pursue righteousness and every day pursue justice. Not living however you want and then making sacrifices to cover it up. The proper use of sacrifices is not to get you from crisis to crisis. The proper use of a sacrifice is to add devotion to devotion and love to more love. They have their place, but they're not the main thing. And I think of, uh, been, been surveying the Old Testament in my Sunday school class, and I got to thinking this week, like, well, 
how would some of the Old Testament saints summarize the weightiest matters of the law? And I got to thinking, what about, what about Abel? If Abel had to summarize the weightiest matter of his faith, I think he would say something like, please God. Or what about Moses? If Moses had to summarize page after page after law, I think he would say, love the Lord. Daniel, I think Daniel would say, trust God. Isaiah and Jeremiah, I think they would say, wait patiently for the Lord. David, what would David say? The weightiness of the law, delight in the Lord your God. He says that over and over again in the psalm, delight. Here's an here's, here's a easy one for you. What, do you. what do you think Solomon would say? What do you think Solomon would say? What's the weightiest matter of the law? It, it relates to that. What's the beginning of that? Fear the Lord your God. That will lead you to wisdom. That will lead you to righteousness. That will lead you to justice. Solomon is tapping into this. It all seems to go together. It all starts to run together after a while. And by the way, all these people, Abel, Moses, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, David, Solomon, they all offered sacrifices because God asked for sacrifices. But I don't think any of them would say the weightiest matter of your faith is sacrifices. No, it is a really, really small part of our faith. But if we are not careful, we will make sacrifices bigger than they need to be. Should you make sacrifices for God? Absolutely. Animal sacrifices? No, we don't do that anymore. We live in a new covenant. Our sacrifices are spiritual sacrifices. It's different. Understood. Is showing up on a Sunday a sacrifice of time, energy, and money? Absolutely. But what happens? What, what happens to somebody who only lives by a sacrifice? The vapor. So to do righteousness and justice, I think, I'm strongly convinced Solomon is trying to instruct us in the way we need to live every day, not just for him, not just the way you live when you go to the temple, or for you, not just the way you are when you read your Bible, but to do righteousness and justice when you are at school, when you are playing sports, when you are at work when you are driving, when you are at Walmart, to do those, those weightier matters all the time instead of counting this as your weightiest moment of the week. It is not. If anything, this, this should just be the foundation of your week and you build on it and you build on it and you build on it. Sunday's a great, at church is a great way to start the week. I don't feed you enough to get you through to next Sunday. Are you kidding me? Feed thyself. 
I hope you'll take some of this and chew on it all week. I'm giving, you, I'm giving you some jerky here. Put some in your back pocket. Talk about it in your small group. Talk about it at the table. You can chew on this a little longer. There's a lot of meat here, yes. But one meal doesn't get you through the whole week, nor does one sacrifice. So the contrast here between doing justice and righteousness regularly instead of bouncing from sacrifice to sacrifice. I think that's the gist of what, what Solomon is trying to get across to us here. And 21.3, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable, which means sacrifices are acceptable. They are good things, but, write this down, there is a higher goal. There is a greater goal. There is something bigger to aim for because sacrifices are secondary things. So we need to learn to focus on the primary things. What are the primary things every day, moment by moment, regular righteousness and justice? We are called to live by faith in such a way that there is nothing in life nearer and dearer to us than God himself. God wants, God wants us to love him by doing what is right and just. That's how we prove or live out our faith. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling, a fear that draws near, a fear that trusts God, a fear that wants to please God, a fear that wants to wait for God, a fear that can't get enough of God. We fear and we love God. What does that look like? It means we need to focus more time, more energy on doing the right things and treating other people justly. And as soon as I talk about spending more time on anything in our culture and our day and age to these people, I know I'm asking a lot because we are all stretched thin. We all have so many responsibilities. At least we feel like we do. We all have so many commitments, so many cares. How can I put more time and energy into more things? I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that. But sometimes doing the right thing is doing the same thing for the right reason. Or doing the same thing with a different attitude. Doing the same things you're already doing or grace and with more mercy. You're gonna be doing the same homework for the same teachers. But to do it righteously means to stop grumbling and complaining. You're gonna be fixing the same machines for the same morons who break things. But to do it the right way and to do it justly is to charge the right price. To do it your very best with the right attitude and not hold any grudges. Despising and loving at the same time. That's a hard thing to do. <laughs> Jesus is the best at it. Man, he's condemning the scribes and the Pharisees. He hates the way they're living. He hates the way they're treating God. And on the cross, he breathes out, 
Father, forgive them. What? Those people hate God, but I don't hate them. I despise the way they're living and the way they're treating my father, but you can't despise and love your enemies at the same time. To do righteousness and justice is a tall task. You know what's easier to do? Blow off everything and then just go make a sacrifice. Go live however you want and then bring a sacrifice and make it all better. You know, it sounds like that's the easy way to live. Not if you know God. Because the Spirit of God will weigh really heavily on you. He will convict you of your own sin, of your own unrighteousness, of how you don't meet the needs of other people, of how unloving you are. Because he's loving, and when we are not, he's going to bring the sandpaper in the form of other people. That's what he does. Why are there so many difficult people? Because you are a difficult person. You are another grit on the belt. More time, more energy. Look, look over at verse 27. Verse 27 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent? Here's the problem with sacrifices. They can be brought by evil people with evil intentions. Just because you're bringing a sacrifice doesn't mean you are right with God. Solomon's not a fool. Wicked people go to church. Wicked people sometimes are helpful. Wicked people can bring a sacrifice. They might make a lot of sacrifices. Look at verse 12. The righteous one. That's God. The righteous one observes. Well, he observes everything. But in particular, he observes the house of the wicked and he throws the wicked down to ruin. There will be payment for wickedness eventually. No matter how many sacrifices they bring, it does not remove the wrath of God. Only one sacrifice removes the wrath of God. And you didn't bring it. The book of Hebrews makes it crystal clear. Jesus is the one sacrifice approved unto God that removes the wrath of God from us. That's it. All your little sacrifices, all little things you do, good works, good deeds. They never fix the core problem. And the core problem is we do not do righteousness and justice. Here's the problem with when the wicked make sacrifices. They may make a show of doing right, but on the inside, they're not doing what is right. They are not a people who's been transformed from the inside out. That's what makes somebody wicked. Not their outward actions, not what they eat, not what they drink. 
Jesus makes that clear. What defiles a person is what comes out. How we live from the heart and from our intentions. And this is essentially, <laughs> I have a lot of people, especially as the holidays are rolling around, why aren't we more traditional? Why don't I do a lot of things? Because um, I've been around a lot of religious traditions done by wicked people, and I realize traditions don't mean much. So my pushback against religious traditions um, is do right all the time. We are not a people who live by moon cycles, festivals, and holidays. We're to be a people who live for God. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. If you ever come across something in your life you know you need to give up, don't wait till Lent. Give it up today. Now, there is a lot of spiritual depth if when you go into a tradition, it's adding to your faith. It's adding to your personal devotion. But practically speaking, if we just do stuff when we want to do stuff, we're not going to do stuff very often, especially the stuff that God actually wants us to do. Do the right stuff at the right time. Now, today, this moment, do righteousness and justice regularly, not just during holy weeks, but every day, every week, all year long. Look at verse 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness. Ooh, I like that he adds the word kindness there. Justice just sounds so formal, you know? Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, find righteousness, and find honor. Spiritual living is a pursuit, not an accident. We have to pursue a life of righteousness, which means it's going to take some work. When does anything take a lot of work when it's not natural? You doing the right thing is not normal. We want to shake those kids. We want to kick those dogs. We want to curse at people. We want to go to blows. We want to settle things out back. We, we come up with a lot of ways that we want to fix stuff. It's not normal for us to do what is right regularly systematically. It's not right. It's not regular, normal for us to want to show justice to people that we don't think deserve justice. That's not normal. So spiritual living is a pursuit, not an accident. It's a long, patient hunt for what will give us eternal joy and unshakable happiness. Have you ever hunted for something for a long time? Cracked it, looked for it, watched for it, sat for it? You really like hunted, yes, or fished, trying to get a bedding bass to bite your lure when it doesn't want nothing, it is stuffed, it is full, you're, you're you pursue it. You keep casting. You try different angles. You try different baits. You're, you're, you're hunting for just the right 
pattern for that outfit. You're hunting for just the right shade and gauge of yarn for that craft or for that embroidery. You, you go with shop after shop and you look online and that's not good. You can't compare. You got to do it person. You, we understand what it means to, to pursue something and to hunt something and, and to go after it and not settle for all the things and not give up when it doesn't go right the first time. We know what it means. We know what it means to really pursue something. And to pursue righteousness means you're not going to get it right your first try. Maybe not your second try. Maybe not your third try. Keep pursuing it. Don't just try to do the right thing once and then, oh, never mind. That was too hard. I preached the gospel and nobody responded. I said the right thing at work and I got demoted. I'm going to shut up from now on. To pursue righteousness and justice means you keep keeping on. That's going to change your reputation, which in the long term is going to change your life. Let it shake out however God may see to it. Pursue a life of righteousness. It's worth it. Write this down. Believers are a people that avoid being fools by fearing the Lord. You can avoid being a fool by fearing the Lord. But I have a warning on the heels of that. Warning. (laughs) Fearing the Lord will not exempt us from doing foolish things. You are still going to do foolish things. Fearing the Lord is not going to protect you from yourself completely right away. You're still going to do some foolish things. But that doesn't mean you have to live the entire lifestyle of a fool or of the wicked and feel like, well, I need to bring my sacrifice. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want you making crazy vows, crazy sacrifices, going out of your way to do these huge and elaborate things for him. You know what he wants you to do? Love your neighbor. Show justice. Bring some used towels and twin sheets to donate to the Salvation Army. Support for our kids as they help families with special needs students in our community. God wants you to stop living from mountaintop to mountaintop and just be a boring everyday Christian. That's not boring to God. That thrills him more than sacrifices. You living out righteousness and truth, mercy and kindness every single day. And trust me, when you've got a little baby in the house, all the days just start blurring together. It just you, you bathe them, you feed them, you read to them, repeat. I'm not talking about Tabor, but that too. We get into these rhythms of life that we think are a waste of time. They're not a waste of time. If you're doing it to honor the Lord, if you're loving other people, you're helping other people, those things become a delight. It changes you. 
It changes you. So focus on Jesus, and then you can make the right sacrifices. Focus on Jesus, next slide, and then you will learn what the right sacrifices are. Sacrifices are acceptable, but more acceptable is a life of everyday righteousness and justice. And the Bible, let's let the Bible interpret itself here. Psalm 51:17. Just turn it back a few chapters here. Psalm 51:17. What is the best sacrifice I could bring to God? David says, "The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit." What? A broken and contrite heart. Oh God you will not despise. You know what God wants you to bring him? Your affections, your desires, your emotions, your dreams, everything you think is yours, break it before him. God will not turn you away. The sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite spirit. So we break ourselves before God, and then what? Well, in Isaiah 61.1, speaking from the voice of the Messiah, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Jesus' first public scripture reading when he kicks off his ministry. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, and he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. When we give God a broken and contrite spirit, he binds us up in the hands of Jesus and says, that's enough. That's enough. You're broken over sin. You're sad for your own nature. You understand that the things you want to do, you can't do, and the things you know you shouldn't do, you do those instead. You know you're wicked. You know you, know you don't love people the right way. You know your own intentions. Jesus says, Weep over that in my presence, and I got your back. That's how he wants, that's the sacrifice of God. To sacrifice yourself to God is to agree with him on who you really are. And one of the last Old Testament prophets said it this way in Micah 6, verses 6 through 9. What shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? This is a guy who's writing to people who are bringing animals to God, right? Who are bringing physical sacrifices to God at the temple. We, we got that, right? He says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000s of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? God, what do you want from me? Verse eight. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And then I never noticed verse 9 until this week. 
the voice of the Lord cries to the city, and it is sound wisdom to fear your name. Walking humbly with God is is living in the fear of the Lord. That's amazing. Beautiful. It is wisdom. It is sound wisdom to fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom leads us to walk humbly with mercy and love and justice. And that is what God requires of you. Let me, encur- let me uh, end with an encouraging word. Look at verse 30. Back to Proverbs 21. And drop down to verse 30. Because we live in a world that is not full of righteousness, right? We live in a world that's not full of godly wisdom. We live in a world that is not full of justice. That's a big deal. People groups are not handling other people groups well. We don't get along. We have a very clannish, nationalistic mentality. It's us versus them because we don't think there's enough to go around. That's a lie. There is enough to go around. We just like to hold on to more. There's enough to go around. Verse 30 says, No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail or fight against or win against the Lord. Who's going to win, church? Yep. God is going to win. No matter what the world says you need to do, no matter what the world puts in front of you, this, this, this will make you happy. Wrong. I live to please God. What pleases God? Doing righteousness and justice every single day, every single situation, every single meal, every single project, every single homework assignment, everything. Everywhere I go, everything I do, everybody I'm with, I try to do what is right. This is, this is you speaking, right? You try to do what is right. You try to be just in your dealings. You try to be upright, forthright, clear. You try to be kind, gracious, merciful. You try to be faithful. You try to show kindness in all circumstances. That is the life that pleases God. Not the one that writes the biggest check, Not the one who makes the craziest vow, I'll serve you in Africa. Not the one that goes off sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. It's a long, slow, steady pursuit of righteousness and justice in your everyday life. Be careful about the dreams you dream, because if they're not God's dreams, it's going up in smoke. No counsel can avail against the Lord. Take your eyes off the world. Take your eyes off rich and powerful people. Their happiness will end. That subwoofer will not disturb me in heaven. The war, it's just, it's just a, this is the way everything is. It just The way the world is, it infiltrates everything we try and do. You're at your most solemn, meaningful Bible reading or prayer time, and that kid wakes up from their nap. No! <laughs> And I, I can fly into a fit of rage over my quiet time getting ruined by somebody God has blessed me with. 
to get so angry and upset when I don't get my way, even when my way is a sacrifice. Because doing right and doing justice means you lay your life down every moment of every day. That's not good parenting. That's Christian living. It's hard. It's hard because I'm selfish. And so are you. Push against it. Do what is right. Do what is just. Do what is merciful. Do what is kind. That pleases God. More than your little Bible reading schedule. More than your little offering check. God doesn't need your stuff. But what he wants and what he calls for is your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Give it to God. Stand with me. Let's pray. Bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. As we turn our eyes and our hearts and our attention to Jesus, Let me remind you, nothing on this earth will change until God decides to finally rid the world of all evil and recreate his people to glorify us, to be with him and enjoy him forever. In the meantime, we need to be a people who focus on the weightier matters of God. What are you doing in Enid to help the poor and needy? What have you done in Enid to assist taking care of the disabled, to comfort the elderly and the weak? As you look at your own life, is there anything you know you should be doing that you've been ignoring? God does not want you to make a sacrifice to make it right. He just wants you to go make it right. Do the right thing, the just thing, for years and for decades. Don't be the kind of believer who does nothing for a long time and then tries to make a huge sacrifice to God to make it up. What God really wants is your devotion to him every day, every week, every year, under every circumstance, not just during seasons, not just during special events, righteousness and justice all day, every day. Please hear Proverbs this morning. And Jesus, plead with you. Don't spend so much time and get bogged down on the details of life. Focus on the weightier matters of righteousness, justice, kindness, and faithfulness. Be a people who are known for righteousness in Enid, not for selfishness, not for neediness, not for sinful habits, but a people who work hard and give generously. Heavenly Father, search our hearts this morning and show us how we need to humble ourselves and do whatever is necessary to 
to take care of ourselves first, to have a broken and contrite spirit before you so that we can fill up on the power of your spirit, fill up on love and joy and patience. We don't have enough. We need your spirit to fill us so we can overflow and become a generous, independent people. Lay down our lives for others. Change us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. benediction for today is from Hebrews chapter 10 verses 10 through 14 or 11 through 14 every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins but he having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Lord dismissed. <laughs>